Hi, it's Beth here. Episode 507. Finally, a Christmas crazy gift that everybody's going to want to get for their daughter. It's been a while and this is the craziest thing ever. It's called Cookies Makery. It's hysterical. It's this. It's this oven. It looks like an easy bake oven, which in my childhood was just an amazing adventure. I didn't get to have one because my mother thought they were dangerous, which they were. She was afraid I'd get burned badly, which I did. Didn't stop me from loving it. Baking cakes with a big fat light bulb that got to be 5,000 degrees. That was what that is. This is even cuter. It's this oven. So what you do is this little pink oven. It's so cute. You pour two brightly colored powders into a bowl, then add water and mix into a dough-like substance. Place it in, place it into the animal-shaped baking mold. Remove it. Put it inside the oven. Set a timer for 90 seconds. When you hear a ding, open it up. And what's inside? A smiling stuffed animal with large pleading eyes. Squeeze it and you'll find that not only is it a plush little toy, but it smells like cinnamon. Every kid wants this. Boys want this. It's like a magic act. It's still available. I checked at all the stores. It's from Australia. These kids have this little company called Moose Toys. And while they were cooking during the pandemic, they were trying to think of a way to make a toy with cooking for kids that was safe. How it works is there's a shelf. So during that 90 seconds, one shelf goes down and the other shelf, it is replaced with a stuffed animal. And the door opens and it's magically there. You can get extra stuffed animals. You can keep doing it with, with the toy that you already have. Kids love to do it. The first time is a great reveal for them. Then they love to do it again and again for their parents and friends. Just like playing peekaboo, only now they're seven years old. Just a fun, fun toy. It's been a long time. And that I, you know, since, I don't know, um, the Care Bears or what were the Cabbage Patch Kids? So finally something's cute, something's on the market and kids want it. Kids are screaming, I want that. So in case you have some kind of a niece or even a neighbor, it's like $35. Not cheap, but very, very cute. So, plus these kids are getting so bright this year. It's amazing that they're screaming that they want something because actually they are coming up with PowerPoint presentations that they want to have sent to, to Santa Claus. They want them videoed and sent to Santa Claus. And they're very elaborately done. Kids have all the equipment they need. They're even coming up with reasons um, because they've watched PowerPoints and you're supposed to come up with a definitive reason why you should do this. So one little girl wants these um, UGG slip-on slippers and she told her mother that she needs them because that's what she has to put her feet in after basketball practice, okay? So for kids who are highly sophisticated, it's kind of cute that some dumb little toy is making them squeal like, like the children that they actually are. So that's kind of cute. Okay, I saw this thing. It's a wedding at the pyramids of Giza and it's just, it's just beautiful. And the couple, of course, is fabulously wealthy. 
and they live in Cairo. But the way she fell in love with him was they went on this vacation to San Tropez. Okay, doesn't everyone? No, everyone doesn't. But she's so beautiful and he's so handsome that she didn't know what to make of him until they went they went swimming very quick. They got a cabana on Lulu Beach and they went in for a quick swim. They came out. Her purse had been stolen. They went to the police, but struggled with communication. The police really didn't care. That's the point. They thought everything was missing, but the boyfriend had taken out one credit card and one and, and their passports and put it in a safer place. He didn't even know why he was doing it. He didn't even remember doing it until they were looking over the things. They were ultimately able to catch their flight, which was, uh, they couldn't miss. They laughed, they went to McDonald's on their credit card, and she said she was amazed that he could put all the sadness and disappointment behind because a lot of their money that they were saving up for the wedding was there too. They were gonna buy clothes and they never did. So there were a lot of um, French francs uh, cash. He didn't care. She said, when she found out how supportive, his name's Sharif, like Omar Sharif, he's not that good looking. Um, when they got robbed, she really appreciated that he didn't yell at her and he had her back and she felt like that is her man. That's a really good way to figure out if you should marry someone. Go through a trauma. People say, oh, we need to go through a year. I'm like, a year of fabulously things happening, you know, fabulous things happening like vacations, uh, engagement parties. No, go through getting robbed. Go through something where he could blame you because he wanted her to hide her purse and she didn't. The worst thing happened and instead of blaming her, they worked through it together. You want to marry that guy. She was right. That marriage is going to work. So then there was this story about this, um, this person who, um, her parents never taught her about love. They were um, from Korea. They worked very, very hard. And he married a, um, a white girl that he went to college with. And they didn't see his parents. He wouldn't, the parents wouldn't come to the wedding. They didn't see him for 10 years. What I liked about this story was that the, neither one of the couple blamed the parents. They were just on this journey to, to figure out how to deal with it. And she said that she thought that it was because she became fabulously successful because the parents thought that she was going to um, take all his money away because he was going to work really hard. That they started coming together and getting, getting cool about them being married. And at the end, they were very cool. The father died after one year of the reconciliation. I'm so glad it happened. And the mother, this is so great. This is why I read the story, really. The mother of the husband, so the parents of the couple, they weren't great for 10 years. They got one year to be incredible um, to their son and his wife. After he died, she often has a dream about him. And in the dream, he's not adrift amid boring clouds or in some Spartan white robe. He's wearing a fancy suit in a beautiful marble hall. 
She loves marble. Where the food is incredible, he's impatient. He says to her in a sweet voice, what's your ETA, honey? And the mother says soon, estimated time of arrival. I love that. She has that dream all the time. I hope if, I'm, if anything bad ever happens to me. I mean, that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing to think that somebody's waiting for you on the other side and is impatient. I love that. So here's one that scared me to death. In fact, I'm wearing my robe, of course, and I have to uh, take it off because I'm sweating already just thinking about it. It's called A Little Holiday Shoplifting. I was with this girl named Tani in freshman in high school. We went to Newberry's, which was on the Miracle Mile right down from St. Mary's in Manhasset on Long Island in New York. Just another day in paradise. We're in Newberry's and she is stealing, and I don't even know it, Yardley lipsticks. So we're just going around the store. I think we both have enough to buy one little thing, like a candy. We start leaving the store and this huge man starts chasing us. Honey, of course, knows what's going on. She starts running. I think the guy needs help. Then I figure out he's got blood in his eyes and he's chasing us. I barely got away from this guy. Finally found her and she's laughing her head off. Last time I went to Newberry's with Honey because if I got arrested for shoplifting, my mother would have killed me. There would have been no jail time. My mother would have killed me. So I always wondered what would have happened what did happen to people when they got in trouble? So this girl was with her friend and she was the shoplifter and they were in Filene's department store, which is in Boston, but I think it's got the same vibe as Newberry's did that five and 10 with everything you could imagine in it. Actually a great place to get pet turtles and goldfish. But anyway, he got, he took them into this room, the beefy man, ran down the list of what was going to happen to them next. There would be a court date and a fine. But first we were going to have to stand by the wall and have our pictures taken. And then they were going to be banned from Filene's department store for the rest of their lives. They couldn't even go in that entrance of the mall. Broke them up. They were devastated. And she, she got arrested for stealing a Back in the day, they had lipsticks that you could try, samples. She told she stole two sample lipsticks that were almost empty. Petty criminal, petty embarrassing criminal. So, but I always wondered what would happen. So you really get your picture taken and it stays on the wall in this dark room in the basement. So everybody can see it. She saw all the other kids that had been arrested for shoplifting and a court date, which is terrifying. So now I know what my fate would have been, but I would have never lived long enough to have to have had it. Okay, there's this guy. He just died and it's really sad, although he was 100. And his name is Mike Grucco. And he, you probably don't remember, but I do. Okay, in 1973, this winemaker, had a stunning success in Paris. There was a wine tasting competition, the biggest, most fantastic one ever. And um, this bottle 
of white wine won the grand prize. And it was from California. Created shockwaves all over the wine world because California had a reputation for having terrible wines up until this point. This guy, he came from a small little village in Yugoslavia, the youngest of 11 children. Okay, his parents, they were subsistence farmers, which almost means that they were indentured like slaves, like they worked on someone else's farm and got a little bit of the um, of the produce for themselves. Okay, very, very, very poor. They grew grains and vegetables, raised, raised cows and sheep for milk and cheese and tended the wines because the local water supply was not considered safe to drink. So the custom was to blend it with wine for wine's antiseptic properties. I thought that only happened like 800 years ago, but it was happening here in this town. So even as a little boy, he was drinking wines. So he wanted, okay, so what happened was he got in a little bit of trouble um, during World War II. The country got taken over and he had, so he, he went to school, got to go to school. His parents were very proud of him. The youngest kid, finally, there was some money for somebody to go to school. So he was con continually drawn to wine and the parents were going to support that. But he got to the school and he went into demonstrating with this popular professor, got totally kicked out of the country and his life was in jeopardy. So he's on the run, finally ends up in, in California after being in British Columbia, West Germany, Vancouver, finally ends up in America, starts working for this winery that kind of goes under, okay, fine. Finally ends up with this great winery. This lawyer wanted to start his own winery, but he wanted to do red wine. So this man, what's Mike, thank God his first name is easy. Mike said, look, we're not going to get a profit for five years. Let's just start making white wine, which Mike was great at. And in the second year, the heralded 1973 Chardonnay was the one that won the big prize. So he's just a great guy. But then he started his own little winery and this is what happened. People are so mean. He started his own winery in Croatia because he wanted to go back and help his country, right? So all the reviews came in and they stunk. They said his white wine was chalky and his red wine was chewy. Now that's sick. I don't even think that's fair. He just said to himself afterwards, I just live by my, what my father says, every day do something better. And he went back to the drawing board and he made a better wine in Croatia, but never the wine like he made in California. Okay. I'm going to try something for Christmas. My sister-in-law's coming and I want to try a puff pastry chicken pot pie with olives, herbs, and Gruyere cheese. I am terrified of olives. Kit loves them. Green olives. I like black olives. He loves green olives. And I'm thinking about doing this. I've, I'm, except if they're in a martini and they're dead because of the alcohol poisoning. I'm afraid of green olives, but I'm going to make this recipe. It just looks so great. Three tablespoons of pitted and roughly chopped green olives. Shocking. 
a little rosemary shocking cheese. I've got the puff pastry in the freezer. I don't even know why I bought it. Now I know why I bought it. I'm going to, it doesn't have any cream in this recipe. I'm going to add it because I'm scared. Three and a half ounces of cheese, square puff pastry. I'm going to do it and I'm going to let you know if it turns out I am going to break my green olive phobia. That's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be eaten on maybe Christmas Eve. I'm not sure. I think I can do it. I think, I think everybody's going to be fine. I'm holding out. I just think they're so overwhelming. They're so like olive -y. But it's, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do anything else. No New Year's resolutions, no nothing. I'm just going to put a green olive in a pot pie and I'm going to call it a day and I'm going to call it a year and I'm going to be done. Okay, I'm going to make a podcast next about safe things you can say to people to start a conversation. If you're at a big Christmas or even a small Christmas, which is worse if there's no one talking. And I, there were thousands of them and one, one I thought was good, which is, what was the best advice you ever received? So if you're sitting next to an older woman, you could say to raise your children. If you're sitting next to a young guy, you, you know, like 38 or whatever you could say for business. Uh, if you're talking to a teenager and he plays a sport, what was the best advice you ever received on how to hit the ball or whatever? Just, just find something Listen to them for a few minutes, find out what they're interested in, music, whatever, and ask what the best advice you ever got on the subject, which is their passion. They might, they might talk to you. They might want to say it. They might be passionate about saying it. I mean, it might work. I'm going to try it right after I do the olives. Okay. I'll be back. Stay sane. It's going to be a good Christmas. Remember that adorable tasty bake oven with the with the stuffed animal inside. I think that is I can't imagine how excited a kid would be to do that for you. To surprise you like that. I can hear the squeals. That would be so much fun for the kid to be the star of the show, dazzling the audience. I mean, it would be fun over Christmas do it a thousand times over. So that's what I've got. I've got to, I've got to run outside and see if I can find somebody to give it to. Take care, stay sane, and I will be back. Thanks.